0: Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and thank you for joining us. This is the Naked Parent Podcast, and my name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host of this daily podcast focused on supporting parents with special needs children and also professionals in the industry that cares for special needs children or children of all abilities. And today we have the pleasure of having Shannon Gibson with us who's been married for 27 years, what a feat in it of itself, is the mom of three biological children, guardian of two foster children with different abilities, as well one has cerebral palsy and the others on the spectrum. She is an elementary school counselor and has been in education for 20 years, uh, like both of my parents. And thank you for being with us today,
1: Shannon. Hi, nice to see you.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you are busy at home and at work. Can you tell us a little bit about your family and the makeup?
1: Yes, I sure can. I am was pretty much raised, born and raised here in rural Nebraska, so kind of in the middle of nowhere for some of you all from the bigger cities. Um, we have country roads, cows, and corn. That's what's off my the back of my porch here, so we've got it all in this little rural county. My husband and I met in college, you know, kind of went on our little typical life. We had two children. Um, Everything was rolling real good. Um, We got into our pregnancy with our third child at that time and found out we were pregnant with twins. We were ecstatic, a little panicked because uh, I was going to have three under the age of three because this last pregnancy came pretty quick. But uh, things kind of turned real quick. At 19 weeks, we found out one of the babies had passed away and they told us we would deliver within eight days. But for some crazy reason, I went 76 days on bed rest in Omaha, a bigger city that's from around here. And they just kept saying, Do what you're doing. We can't prevent anything. We can't help anything. Just let your body do what you can. And he was born at 29 weeks. So it was really good, still very premature. So as a result, he does have cerebral palsy. But I tell you, that personality can knock you out. And we wouldn't, oh. I don't know what we do without him. That kind of started our world. Um, I was in education right away at that time as a teacher, PE teacher. When Jess entered my life, then we decided I really was into special ed and really wanted to know the best ways to educate my son, as long as along everyone else that I was working with. And so. Did that for quite a while and then really got excited about just why we do what we do and why we think what we think. And so I got into counseling. So I went and got my master's in school counseling. And today I am finishing my last paper for my mental health licensor. So I'll be able to do a lot of different things with that. Um, I love education. Not a lot of people love to keep going to school at 48 years old. They think I'm crazy some days, but you know what? I just love to learn. And I I always want to know the best things to do for our kids and everyone else that i'm helping in general so
0: that's awesome my mom got her um she was in education and went back to school and got her phd in psychology or you know at 50 as well so i think it's just you moms are amazing people (laughs)
1: thank you well um then to continue on with my story 10 years ago i was hired as a counselor then on a Indian reservation about 50 miles from town here. So I drive 50 miles there and then 50 miles. So a hundred mile round trip to work and back. And in Nebraska, that means literally 50 minutes to work and 50 minutes home. So it's not an extended amount of time compared to the cities, but on the reservation, I had a case come in where a child needed an emergency care. We were not foster parent licensed or anything. And they came to me and just said, can you please help us out? And there we go. We are now into foster care. And now um, wow. we're just going to help out and raise emergency wise. And it ended up um, a higher power decided we were not done being parents. So <laughs> we now have a six and a four-year-old that we have guardianship of. And our six-year-old is showing signs of being on the spectrum. So we have him on an IEP and enrolling with that now as a kindergartner. So Wow.
0: So you have five Is that five? Yep. Children? Wow. Yes. Amazing. And when did you first uh, notice that the six-year-old maybe was missing milestones? What happened there?
1: there was some prenatal drug abuse. So we were worried and kind of just watching for things anyway. So I was very, um, I want to say probably right on top of things, maybe even watching it too before it even happened. I was already jumping on things. So evaluation wise, I was on it right away, just being in the school system. I just thought, you know, here's the history, let's get it going. Let's watch him. And, and I'd see as he started getting older, he'd start doing some flapping. He loved doing circles and spinning and, and just trying to find his center. And So right away, I was kind of keening in on those situations.
0: Okay, so is there something that you wish you knew then that you know now? It sounds like you're really on it.
1: (sighs) Probably not. I think if I go back since I have 20 years with my son that has cerebral palsy, and if anything, I could go back and just say in a marriage that that communication is so key. As we've traveled our times and really watched a lot of things go down, grief is so hard and you have to grieve that loss of what you really expected to have when you were pregnant. All of those dreams that you have that they're going to be football players or they're going to play music, the piano, like mom or whatever it is. And so when things happen and your trip isn't planned to arrive in the area you thought you were going on a trip for, you have to grieve some of that. And so we've learned that communication really is the key. We do use humor a lot, but definitely communications really, without that communication and us not being on the same page, you do feel like you're fighting the battle alone and you start to isolate yourself and kind of get on that Island. And then it's too late. So we really do commit. I mean, don't get me wrong. We are not perfect and we fight and we argue and and there's bills and there's things that we have to organize. But I think that communication is where we always have had a running joke that if you ask for the divorce, you have to take the kids (laughs) and neither one of them are game for that. So we've decided Uh (laughs) that's just how we're going to roll.
0: But I
1: do feel communication is the key and we do have to, us parents really have to work hard on that communication.
0: Kind of a side note, but I heard football in there. Are you football fans?
1: We're from Nebraska, so you know we're Husker fans, big and strong. Um, and my son Jess is a big um, Minnesota Vikings fan, so that's kind of where we're, the ones that we will follow are the definite football.
0: I'm from Detroit, and my uh, uncle was lived in Iowa and Nebraska. Always had the big offensive lines that and couldn't get through. So that was uh, anyway. I just I, I heard that
1: <laughs> definitely.
0: It stood out, and I do appreciate the communication piece. I mean, oh my goodness, if if we could just have an education on communication before we leave school, before we get married, before we have kids, it's amazing what is needed in the realm of communication. I'm kind of curious how everybody gets along, how the children in your family, are they connected? Are they different generations with different abilities? How does that work?
1: You know, it's crazy. When Jess entered the our kids' lives, McKenna was six and Ashton was two, our two daughters. So they've always had a disability in their life. They've always had Jess in their life. We've been very open on communication with them. You know, it's not fair. Sometimes he gets different treatments, but this is how our world is and this is how it goes. And I think that communication based and, and set a foundation for when we did begin foster care because the kids came in and if they felt like, you know what, that's not fair. They get a stipend check and they get to pick new clothes out and we haven't. But again, we discuss where our needs are and where those things are. And they've always felt safe explaining where they sat and how they felt. And really, I mean, my oldest daughter just got married last August during all of the COVID business. And the wow. kids were part of the marriage, you know, they are part of the wedding, wow. and you know, so they've embraced them. We've had quite a few foster kids throughout our, our world. And every time, like my mom will say, "Whoop, well, I have 16 grandkids at the moment. And, you know, and sometimes it's 18 or some will go back and she's back down to 16. But they're immediately part of our family and they are looked at as siblings. And the age difference doesn't even matter. Our oldest daughter just took um our six year old for the weekend because she wanted wow. some time just with him. So. It works out wonderful. And, and we again, you just have to communicate and say, I get it. You have to understand their trauma. And we've had some meltdowns here and there. And you know, just that knowledge. Well, and guess what? My two older girls are now educators. Um, one is wow. a first grade teacher and the other one's finishing her college as a PE teacher. So, <laughs>
0: Whoa.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, I, I hate to generalize, but I feel like people are so much more evolved and emotionally intelligent at a younger age now than when I was growing up. The special needs right. when I was growing up was that corner classroom in the back of the school with the people that you never talked to kind of thing. And now people have included my children. I walk on campus at school, in elementary school, and people are, hey, Rocco. Right. You know, I think it's pretty cool, a bit of that uh, evolved children. How about just to sort of also set the stage, is there a, a worst moment that stands out for you along the journey?
1: Definitely. There are some times in my life that have stood out. We were at a fourth grade IAP and numerous times a teacher would continue to say, well, I don't know why he's in my room. I don't understand why he's there. He doesn't understand what we're talking about. Oh, he, okay. All he does is stare at my crickets that I have in the corner. Again, think about it sensory wise. That's what he's hearing. He's not paying attention to anything else, but the crickets in the back and, you know, just things like that, where I had to really practice having control without But voicing it without my emotions jumping in first, I can let my emotions jump in real quick because that mama bear will jump in. And so I had to really learn, you know, real quick in life that, okay, say what you got to say, but say it tastefully and get your point across. Because if you come up angry, they just, they'll start defending immediately. And it's a lot of just learning from mistakes and a principle that all he was worried about was killing the flies. And he had a fly swatter and it was just going throughout the room, killing the flies and not paying attention to what our meeting was about. So. Just times like that where I let that one go and I look back and wish, gosh, I wish I would have said something. What he doesn't know, he doesn't know. If he's never had that situation, he doesn't understand how we are on the other side of the table. And because I'm in the professional round and went from SPED to being a mom with special ed, special kids, I have been on both sides of that table. And it is difficult and it is I caught myself saying, wow, why did I always sit across from the parents? Why didn't I sit beside the parents? Why didn't I let them know I was on their team and not against them? Just nonverbal things that I didn't even realize till I was the mom and felt those emotions.
0: That's great for both sides. You have such a great perspective as a parent and a professional. What's something that you're excited about as it relates to the growth of your family and your children today?
1: A lot of things I'm excited at like where my kids are. Um, We took my 20-year-old son to camp yesterday. To a, He went to a vision-impaired camp this week. And my second daughter was along with, she's 22. And she said, Mom, I need to invent something for Jess. We need to figure out some things. I really want him to fly and be a part of going on trips with us. But he's so worried about the wheelchair being damaged in the flight. And why can't they have wheelchairs in flight? And why can't, you know, so all of a sudden I've got kids that are talking. I talked with my friend and she says, and they're having conversations of how to include our special needs kids. And I think how cool is that, that we're rolling that ball out to other families? Um, I also look at this inclusion in general. It, it has gotten so much better from when my kid was little or when we were in high school. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. I've, now that Jess is 20, I'm starting to, you know, the education staff is always saying, oh, but he's with non-special needs peers. But really, now that he's 20... The peers he wants to sit with are the kids like him that like mm-hmm. the jokes that he says, that enjoy being, you know, sometimes just sitting beside each other and not talking. And so I'm not fighting so much for inclusion as he's getting older because he does like his other special needs friends because they get him and he gets them. And there has to be that fine line that you have to figure out where's that balance of too much is good and maybe not good. And so we've had to live through that situation as well.
0: That's a great point. And how about for you? What do you do to care for you? Whether the ups and downs of this journey.
1: That's a good one because probably until about three years ago, I didn't take care of me. You know, I was always trying to work with that glass half full and and or half empty, actually. And and so I always thought that they deserved that before I deserved it and that I needed to always be there for them. And last year, actually, I've lost 60 pounds. So I'd love to show you a before wow. picture. scary, But I didn't realize it at the time that I was very sad, very unhealthy, and not taking care of myself. And it's crazy what a bike ride will do for somebody or just a walk with the dog. And so now um, I don't feel guilty for taking 45 minutes for myself, where before I felt guilty of finding someone else to care for my children while I took time for myself. And and now it's a whole different realm. COVID helped. You know, a lot of people hated COVID, but COVID made me stop and and set back and, and reevaluate where I was and how busy my life was. And I was able to put myself there first a little bit. And so I, you have to make that commitment and it's hard. You can't feel guilty taking that commitment. Moms, we do that. We feel that we need to give everybody a hundred percent and it's okay if we take 45 minutes or an hour for ourselves.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Can you um, put into words uh, the change in feeling? I mean, do you feel different?
1: I feel younger. It's the weirdest thing, but you know, some of the things I didn't do with my kids because I was so worried about how I looked in a swimsuit. I didn't do it. And now with my second batch of kiddos, we're at the pool every day. We enjoy the beach. We enjoy doing those things. And I missed a lot of things with my kids because I was so worried about what others thought of what I was or how I felt and didn't feel going into things. So the bike rides are enjoyable. Walking through the zoo and not having to stop and just take a breather for mommy. You know, like those are those things that, I didn't realize until I got on the healthy side what I was missing out when I was unhealthy.
0: That's awesome. Thanks. That's inspiring. And then yeah, I, I saw a favorite quote of yours is, we make a living by what we get and we make a life by what we give, Winston Churchill. And that inspired me in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything to share with regards to that or does that say it all?
1: It pretty much says it all. You know, that kind of ties in with the starfish story. I don't know if a lot of you are familiar with the starfish, but that's that little boy that's walking on the beach and there's starfish up on, they'd washed up on the beach and he'd throw a starfish back in the water and he'd go to the next one and throw a starfish in and A gentleman came behind him and said, you can't save all of these starfish. Why are you wasting your time throwing one at a time back in that water? And he picked that one starfish up and said, but it matters to this one. And he threw it back in and in foster care and in the education system and anywhere, really, if you can throw one person, one thing back into the water to help them, you're, you're making it better, you know? And so I really do believe in that. And even if it's education, if somebody's staring at my son doing spinning while we're, you know, at the restaurant, and he's just spinning and spinning and spinning. And I see someone noticing, I'll say, Hey, do you know what autism is? Can I, you know, explain it to you? And younger kids are very open. Wow, really, you know, they are interested And a lot of older ones are scared that they've offended. And I'm like, you're not offending. Uh, please ask those questions. Please get to understand where he's at and why he does what he does. And you know, there's a starfish, we don't look at it, but just a simple little lunch, just educated, you know, a family.
0: That's great. That's great that you speak up like that. You know, it it takes courage to do that as well. It does. Um, Are you up for a little lightning round of one word to one sentence answers to get through a couple questions?
1: Perfect. I'd love it.
0: All right, here we go. What's the best advice you've received?
1: Take one day at a time, don't worry about tomorrow. Share a
0: personal habit that contributes to your success.
1: Self care.
0: Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents?
1: Other parents with kids with disabilities. They're the best resources for me.
0: Yes. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being?
1: Uh, I've always talked about a full marathon and I wow. might just do it. I've done some halves yeah. and, and mile 10 is ugly, but i if I can yeah. work myself, I'd love to do it.
0: Well, wow, that's a big one, but that's awesome. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it?
1: Oh wow, that's a good question. Because you look at physical things, and I think that you can really work around those things. And I think that we all, empathy. I think we all need more empathy than what we probably have. That understanding of what every person, each individual is going through.
0: That's wow. It's in line. You sound like a very loving and wonderful person. You really do. Um, and just to Kind of wrap it up. Is there, you know, from what we've talked about or just what you know, is there some guidance that you would share with other listeners that are listening to this show?
1: You know, kind of going back to when you had said that comment about what's a good thing to keep going, and I said, take one day at a time. I think that's it. I think parents of kids with disabilities, we catch ourselves worrying about, well, what's it going to be like as they get older? Or what if this situation happens? Or what if that situation happens? And I think we spent so many days and hours worried about what. What's going to happen that never happened. And so it was such a waste of time, but I didn't know it then. And so I think a, a lot of that is just, do take it one day at a time. Obviously be proactive, obviously be out there and look for the best schooling or the best shoes or the best AFOs or the best therapies, whatever it is, but don't panic and say, you know, what if he doesn't, have, my son's also legally blind. What if he never gets to see this? What if he doesn't get to, and we had to quit saying the what if and really look at, What can we do? What things can we make better with what we have instead of worrying about what we can't do? Because it's just a waste really of time. And I wasted a lot of time worrying and being anxious about things I couldn't control.
0: I have as well. I just want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show and you've inspired me and having lost a lot of weight myself and taking that marathon challenge on. It was a a great moment. And I wish that for you, if that's in the cards for you. you. Yes. Maybe we can touch base down the road and get an update if that works out. And I'd love for you to stay in touch and thank you again for being part of our show.
1: I enjoyed it. Of course, I'll stay in touch. Thank you guys so much. Good luck to everyone of you.
0: Have a wonderful day and to your family. We wish you all the best.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts.